message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. God's Word together now. So if you've got a Bible with you, uh, we'll be uh, turning to that in a moment. But let me just give you an outline of uh, where we're going this morning and indeed over these next few weeks uh, into the autumn term. And this new preaching series follows on from really what God has been saying to us as a church earlier in the year. And uh, if you were with us earlier in the year, you may remember that we spent some time looking at the theme of the presence of God. Uh, While it's important how we host his presence and uh, how he empowers us. And we spent a number of weeks looking at this theme. And you may remember that just before the summer, I preached from Ezekiel chapter 47 about the river of God. And uh, if you were with us on that Sunday, you may remember, well, I hope you would remember, that um, I mentioned in it that sometimes it seems like there's, uh, there are rocks that can get in the way of the river of God's presence. And so often in Scripture when you read about uh, a, a river, particularly in Ezekiel there, it's talking about the presence of God. It's a picture that helps us understand His presence. And if you can imagine a river for a moment, if you can imagine some big boulders in it, some big rocks in the river it will be fair to assume that they can get in the way of the flow of the river. Can you imagine that? Can you picture it in your mind? Are you you sort of imagining a a river and it's it's full of these large boulders, these large rocks that are stopping the flow of the river? Yes, you can imagine it. Well, if we think about this river as the presence of God, then there are some things that can get in the way of the flow of, of God's presence. And uh, you might call them rocks, for example. And over these next few weeks, I want to spend some time looking at what gets in the way of the flow of God's presence. What are some of the rocks that would hamper the move of God, that hamper the move of His presence? What are the rocks that can obstruct the flow of the river of God's presence? And so I've called this series, Removing the Rocks. So if you're making notes, then that's your title for the series, Removing the Rocks. And some of these rocks, they might be things that you're already aware of in your mind. You think, oh yeah, this can often get in the way when I want to respond to God or when he's speaking to me. You might be able to think of some things that you would describe as rocks in your life that sometimes get in the way of what God wants to do. It might be a particular issue that you battle with, that you're already aware of. And I believe that God is going to bring some release to those things. That God is going to speak to us over these weeks and he's going to bring bring release to some things that hamper the flow of God's presence. So these things, sometimes you might be aware of them already. Other, other times, they might be things that are totally new to you. You might say, you know what, I hadn't even considered that. I hadn't thought about that. It's not something you're aware of just yet. And that's okay because as well, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to bring revelation to us over these weeks as well. 
The Bible says that the heart, our heart, is deceitful. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Well, the good news is our Father in heaven can understand it. Amen? And God is going to speak to us over these weeks. So I want to encourage you, allow the Father to do some heart surgery on you over these next few weeks. Trust God to work on your heart. You see, put your hands up if you've ever had an operation of any sort. I'm not going to ask you what you've had done, but if you have, that's a good, a good majority, I, I, I would say, of you have had an operation of some description throughout your life. Well, when you have an operation, particularly if you have a general anaesthetic, I guess any anaesthetic really, you trust the surgeon. You put your life in his or her hands. You trust what they're doing. Now, I've had a number of operations throughout my life, and each time I've had to trust the surgeon and their team. I've had to trust that the anaesthetist knows what they're doing and exactly how much of the drugs to give me so that I'm knocked out, but not completely knocked out forever. And I guess the fact that I'm here would say that they gave me the right amount of those drugs. Some of you would say, no, they gave you far too much. and These are the after effects, and you might be true. It might be true. But you trust, don't you, in the, in the surgeon, their team, your anaesthetists, other doctors, the nurses, those that are caring for you. You put your trust in them. I want to encourage you, friends, over these next few weeks, put your trust in your heavenly Father, the heavenly surgeon who wants to do some work on your heart. Because if you can put your trust in a doctor or a nurse or other medical practitioner and you put your trust in them to do what's necessary in your body, how much more can we trust our Father in heaven to do what's necessary in our hearts? Amen? So how are we going to deal with these rocks? Well, some things might just fall away. The Holy Spirit will bring revelation to you. You see it and you go, oh, I get it now. And it's sorted just in a moment. It might even be as you are listening to me speak and others over these next few weeks, suddenly the Holy Spirit is going to bring revelation to you and freedom to you from things that have held you back. Other rocks might be a bit more of a battle. The Holy Spirit will bring you revelation, but this particular rock, this particular issue that you face is so entwined in your life, it's going to need a bit of work for you to be free. So my question to you this morning is, who's up for a battle in these next few weeks? Who's up for dealing with some rocks in their life? Well, I am. And I hope you are <laughs> as well. Because it might be that there's a process that God begins in you to bring freedom and to bring release. And my expectation, friends, is this. All of us have got some rocks in our life, me included. All of us have got things that hamper the work of God, that get in the way of what he wants to do. They might be big or they might be small. But over the next few weeks, I'm believing God for some rock clearing to take place. Are you? Are you? A few weeks ago, I think before the summer, we had a picture uh, of a JCB digger. Do you remember it, if you were around? And uh, we had some debate as to what particular digger it was and what it was meant to do. But anyway, in my mind at least, this particular JCB digger was for clearing rocks. 
And I believe that there's some rock clearing that God wants to do. A friend of mine put it like this. Revelation plus faith always equals the power of God. Revelation plus faith equals the power of God. So let's pray for some revelation, shall we? Let's pray for the Holy Spirit to speak to us and for God to be at work. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are with us. We thank you for your presence. And we thank you now that in these next few weeks together, you want to do some rock clearing in our lives. And Father, right at the beginning of this series, we say to you that we put our trust in you. We choose to trust you because we know that you are a good, good Father. And we know that you know what you're doing when you work upon our hearts. And so, Lord, we say to you this morning, please come and do some heart work, some heart surgery upon us in these next few weeks. Lord, upon us individually. Lord, if there are rocks, uh, as it were, in us as a body, a community, a church together, Lord, would you be clearing them as well? Would you be clearing the way for your presence, the river of your presence to flow freely, Lord, through us individually and through Jubilee? Everybody who agreed said, Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's make a start then. What's our first rock? What's the first thing that can get in the way of the flow of the river of God's presence? Well, the first one we're going to look at this morning is this. Our first rock is unbelief. Unbelief. Now, if truth be known, we all actually start with this rock in our lives. We all start at a place of unbelief. Before God works upon our lives and draws us to him, before we respond to him, in our unregenerate state before God, before we've responded to his grace and received his salvation, we're in unbelief, aren't we? That's actually where we all start. And at that point, actually, you probably don't even realise that's where you are. You don't even know that that, that you've got that rock in your life, that's the position that you're in. But that's okay if it's your starting point. Because the reality is, all of us started there. Some of you may be there this morning. That's okay if that's your starting point. You haven't yet believed, so you're still in unbelief to one degree or another. Or it might be that you're just starting to to trust the Lord. Well, on this journey of faith, you've got to start somewhere, haven't you? If you're going to go on a journey from point A to point B, you've got to start somewhere. And that's okay. So starting at a place of unbelief is fine. But it's not a great place to remain. And it's not a great rock to have in your life. You're never going to grow as a Christian if you stay in that place of unbelief. And the trouble is that many of us, even if we will describe ourselves as Christians, as followers of Jesus, if the truth be known, we can get into unbelief as well. Now, for example, you might hear, I don't know, a message on healing. And you're listening to this message and you love Jesus and you trust him and are seeking to follow him. But you think, you know what, I'm not sure I believe that. I'm not sure I can get my head around it. You might read of somebody's experience of God. They might, you might be reading a story about what God has done in someone's life and you're thinking, I, I just don't know. 
I'm not sure if that is that really the case. Could it really have been like that? There's this rock of unbelief that stops you believing what God is doing. So this rock of unbelief, you know, the place of unbelief might be fine to start with. It's where you start your journey from, but it's not a great place to remain because it's a dangerous rock in our lives. It's subtle, but it's deadly. And left unchecked, this rock of unbelief can lead to something else, even worse, which is cynicism. Cynicism. Left unchecked, unbelief can become cynicism. And I guess all of us have met cynical people, haven't we? I'm sure you could all think in your mind of people who are cynical about all sorts of things, but particularly about the Lord and what he's doing. Cynical people are no fun to be around, are they? They always see the worst in something. They always see the negative sign of something. They never believe what's going on, and they never trust in what you may be telling them about what the Lord is doing. They've lost all their joy, if indeed they even had any to start with. And their cynical unbelief can spread. Do you notice that when you are around cynical people, you can pick up their cynicism, can't you? And and the same is true in reverse. If you're around people who are full of faith and encouraging, you pick up something in their faith, don't you? I met with a friend this week, and we had a a couple of hours together, had some coffee and a lunch, and uh, we were telling stories of what God's doing. And we were encouraging one another. And um, it was just, it was uplifting. I came away feeling encouraged and built up and uh, full of passion for God from having this conversation with somebody that loved Jesus and was going for him. Why? Because his faith was rubbing off on me. It was encouraging me. Well, that happens, doesn't it? And the reverse happens in cynicism as well. You spend your time around cynical people and you'll pick it up. I think cynical people can be like milk that has turned sour. If you pour it into a drink, the whole drink is ruined. And when you've got cynical people in a group, no matter what size, it can can spoil what's going on. So, I want to encourage you, don't get to a point of being cynical. Or if you have, I want to show you your way back this morning to faith and trust and joy. Now, some of you are going to be sitting there right now thinking this. He hasn't even opened the Bible yet. Well, now's a good time to do that. So if you've got your Bible with you, and I hope you have, if you'd like to turn please to Mark chapter 9, or scroll, or click, or whatever you do. Mark chapter 9, we're going to read some some verses together. Let me just give you some background before we look at it. It's this, Peter, James and John have just come down from a mountain where they've been with Jesus and seen him transfigured, seen his glory. And Elijah and Moses have appeared and they've talked with Jesus. This was an intensely spiritual experience. And they come back thinking, wow, that was amazing. Look at what we've seen and heard. Gosh, that was incredible. And they come out of this intensely spiritual experience and they come off the mountain into really some degree of chaos. 
Anybody relate to that? You know, we have a great encounter with the Lord. He speaks to us. Oh, that's amazing. And then suddenly the next moment is just chaos. Can you relate to that? Well, that's what's going on here. That's what's, that's what's happening. And so Mark chapter 9, verse 14. So when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. He's often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything... Take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. It's a passage that You may be familiar with, you may have just heard it for the first time, I don't know. But this man has come to Jesus hoping that Jesus could heal his son. And the remaining disciples who had not gone off with Jesus were unable to heal him. And so when Jesus returns, the man goes to him. Now clearly there is some degree of faith here. He's going to Jesus, hoping that Jesus can heal his son. Maybe it was faith mixed with desperation. But you know what? Most of us have been there too, haven't we? (laughs) So he comes to Jesus and says, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, says Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. And then we get this famous line from the boy's father that goes like this. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. How many of us have felt like that sometimes? I guess we can all relate to that, can't we? I do believe, but I'm struggling. You know, I want to believe, but I, I'm finding it hard to get through. And he's saying, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. This father recognized the rock of unbelief in his life. And he asked Jesus to help him overcome it. So the importance here is not having the unbelief or doubt in that moment. 
It's where you go with it. It's what you do about it. It's where you turn. Do you go cynical or do you turn to Jesus? Do you go cynical or do you turn to Jesus? In that moment, that father had to make a choice. And he chose to go to Jesus saying, help me, help me to overcome my unbelief. You see, unbelief is a rock that interrupts the flow of the river of God's presence in our life. It can block up what God wants to do in your life and indeed in the church. In his excellent book, Simon Holly in Sustainable Power, talks about three areas of unbelief. He talks about unbelief uh, to do with our source, so the revelation of who God is, our identity, who we are in Christ, and our purpose, what we can do in the power of the Spirit. Let's just think about each of those for just a moment. Our source. Have you had a revelation of who God is? Who he really is? And I guess for most of us, this is an ongoing thing, isn't it? It's an ongoing revelation that the Father keeps speaking to us. As we pick up his word and read the Bible, God continues to speak to us and we get a greater revelation of who God is. So you don't just find information about what he's done in this book, you get to meet the author. He reveals himself to you. It's not just an intellectual understanding, it's revelation by the Holy Spirit. He is your Father. He is your Father. David started off the prayer meeting in Derby this week by reminding us that God is our Father. And as your Father, everything comes from him. Knowing God as your Father is key. Yeah. And too often we live as though we don't fully understand it. We'll explore more about this next week. But having a correct revelation of who God is, He's your Father, and He loves you and He's for you, is our starting point. How's your unbelief with, with that? You through on that one, knowing who God is? What about your identity? Knowing who God is is the first part, but then knowing who you are, who is made you to be. You need to know who you are as well. And the summary is this, you are a son or daughter of the living God. Now, last Sunday, Kevin spoke excellently about being chosen. God chose you. You didn't choose him, he chose you before the creation of the world. He chose you to be his son or his daughter. Not as chose you to be a servant, not as somebody who would come to him and worship him. He chose you as a son, as a daughter, to be part of his family. God chose you. You are a son, a daughter. Our trouble is that we forget who we are. It's like we live as orphans, having forgotten who our father is. So let me ask you, do you know who your father is? Do you know who you are? A couple of months ago, Sarah and I uh, went uh, to London for her birthday and we went to see The Lion King. And it was a great show, we had a great time uh, in London. And if you've seen it, you might remember the part where Mufasa, the previous king, appears to Simba, his son who's been running away, running away from who he is. And the narrator-type figure, Rafiki, I think I pronounced that right, 
thank you, uh, has already told Simba that his problem is that he doesn't know who he is anymore. And then, in what I think is one of the most powerful lines in the show, Mufasa says to Simba, remember who you are. You are my son. And you think, whoa! Remember who you are. You are my son. And I sat there thinking, whoa, just like God had spoken to me from this show. But it's true, isn't it? Our trouble is we forget who we are. We're just like Simba, running away from who we really are. We need reminding that we're a son. We're a daughter of the living God. Amen? Remember who you are. You are my son. You are my daughter. And knowing that you're a son or a daughter changes everything. You're adopted into his family. You're not just saved. You're saved into his family. Become his son or daughter. It means that you know him as your father. Do you know who you are? This morning I believe God wants to bring fresh revelation of this. What it means to be a child of God. What it means to be a son or daughter of the King of Kings. Some of you are, even in these moments, I believe that this rock of unbelief, not quite knowing who you are, is crumbling away. Holy Spirit is working on you right now as we speak. Really knowing who your father is, really believing it to be true, because it is true, is key to you moving on with the Lord. And the third one that Simon talks about is our purpose. If you don't have a purpose in life, you'll just get bored. You need a purpose in your life. You might be saved, but you'll be bored. And I can think of people that I know who have made really poor decisions because they were bored. They didn't know what they were called to. They didn't know what their purpose was. And in, that mo- in those moments, made some life-changing decisions that weren't wise. You need to have a purpose that you're living for. You need to know why you're alive. You need to know what God has made you for. And if you're not sure right now, let me tell you this. God has a purpose for your life. He really does. Every one of you. He's chosen you as a son, a daughter. He has a purpose for you. When I was a teenager, just a few years ago, uh, we used to sing a song that started, I want to serve the purpose of God in my generation. No. Some of you remember that. (laughs) I love that song. It described how I felt. No, I want to serve the purpose of God in my generation. It's a great song. And then Delirious came along and Martin Smith wrote a song about being a history maker. I'm thinking, yes, I want to be a history maker. And you know what? The rock of unbelief in my life in that moment says, what? You? You want to be a history maker? You're having a laugh. No chance. And in that moment, I can be singing, I want to be a history maker in this land. And in that moment, you've got a devil accusing you and thinking, you'll never be a history maker. And he's putting out that rock of unbelief and you're sort of fighting it in your heart thinking, you're seeing it thinking, could it be true? Yes. Yes, because it's not about you. It's about him. You can be a history maker because of who you are in Christ. It's not about how good you are. It's not about what you've done. It's about what he's done. It's about how good he is. And because of that, you can be a history maker and God has a purpose for your life. 
And that purpose that God wants to give you is to be inspired by and then empowered by the Holy Spirit. So what's your purpose? What could you do in the power of the Spirit? What dream has God put in your heart? See, if you've got a rock of unbelief, it's hard for you to fulfill that. Jesus said this in John 14. He said, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Wow. Whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, said Jesus. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. How's that going to be? What was going to change when Jesus went to the Father? What's what's going to happen? Remember? He was going to send the Spirit. That's what changed. Greater things in the power of the Spirit. This friend I was referring to earlier, we were discussing this verse this week, and um, we were talking about what it means. Now, what 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 does greater things mean? Is it greater in number, or greater in power, or both? You know, what are the greater things? And uh, my friend was pointing out that the reality is it doesn't really matter, because for most of us, we haven't even got the first half of that verse sewn up yet. The first half of the verse being, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. Has anybody got that bit so sewn up that we can go on to the greater things? I mean, you know, every person you pray for healed? You're just getting bored with raising the dead now because it's such a daily occurrence for you? I mean, are we at that place yet? I don't think we are, friends. So, never mind the greater things, although Jesus promises those. What about the things that he was doing? Well, he's promised those to us. But unbelief will get in the way. Unbelief will stop you fulfilling some of these things. So, if you think, yeah, maybe there's a rock of unbelief in my heart, what do you do about it? How do you get rid of it? Well, the first thing is this, to identify it and repent. Identify and repent. The first stage is to realise that it's there to start with. Be honest with the Lord. Be like that father who came to Jesus. I do believe, but I'm struggling. Help me with my unbelief. Ask him to help you with your unbelief, just like that father did. Maybe it's over a particular area of your life. Bring that to the Lord. Or maybe it's just you've got a general sense of not believing that God can or indeed will do what he said. Ask the Father to help you overcome your unbelief. And in both cases, it's also being willing to move on. It's being willing to take some steps to move forward and to trust the Lord in the process. And if you've become cynical, today's a day of repentance. You can come to the Father and Say, Lord, I'm sorry for being cynical. Help me to overcome that. And ask the Lord to deal with it. Do the things you did at first. Loving him. Worshipping him. Trusting him. All will help overcome those things. So the first thing is identify and repent. Secondly, is the presence of God. God can smash through this rock of unbelief in a moment. Sometimes it's a process. Sometimes it's immediate. It comes, it comes about by allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to you. 
allowing your spirit to grow in God. It happens as you read his word. It happens as you worship him. Being God's presence is key to overcoming unbelief. Because in those moments that the Father can speak to you. Two more, and then we're going to close and we're going to worship again in a moment. Number three, hear with faith. Hear with faith. Do you know what I mean by this? It's very easy to hear without faith. Particularly if, you be, if you're prone to being cynical. You hear a story like we heard last week uh, of God bringing healing to somebody. And you can choose to hear with faith or without faith. Hearing without faith is like, oh, well, uh, yeah, that's nice. Okay. Hearing with faith is like, wow, look at what God has done. Isn't that great? Look at what God has done for somebody else. And you can hear with faith. And as you hear with faith, God can stir faith in your heart as well. You can choose in that moment to believe and rejoice rather than be cynical and doubt. Now, friends, we need to help one another with this. Let's make sure that we're telling the truth and not exaggerating. We don't need to exaggerate what God has done, do we? We don't need to, you know, add to it and think, well, it would sound better if it were described. No, no, let's just be honest. You know what? If you've been prayed for uh, and God has done something but you're not totally healed yet, be honest about it. Don't think, well, I suppose I better be okay. No, be honest. Let's make sure we're telling the truth to one another. But then let's make sure that we can rejoice and hear with faith what God is doing. So it's not going to help anybody who's struggling with unbelief if we're exaggerating what God's doing. Let's just say what God is doing and allow him to work in our hearts. So the final thing is this. Celebrate the stories of others. Celebrate the stories of others. And this, again, is something you've got to make a choice about. Choose to celebrate the stories of others and the success of others and what God is doing in others even if you haven't got any of your own stories yet. Because you know what? They'll come. They'll come. But in the meantime, celebrate stories of others. So let me just summarise that. Adam, perhaps you could come up and give us some song in a moment, please. We're going to pray. How do you get rid of this rock of unbelief? Number one, identify it, repent Bring it to the Lord. Secondly, encounter the Father. Worship and receive his presence. Number three, hear with faith. And number four, celebrate the stories of others. Celebrate what God is doing. It's easy to think about what he's not doing. Oh, this person wasn't here. God hasn't broken through there yet. Yeah, I know that. But how about we celebrate what God is doing and thank him for what he is doing and the breakthroughs that we are seeing even if they're only small steps let's celebrate those small steps and in doing so have more stories of what God is doing together Amen can we stand I want to invite God to come and speak to us now he's here friends isn't he it's not that we now go into some sort of mode where we need to invite the Holy Spirit no no he's here he's been at work anyway but this is a moment for us to look to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want to do? What do you want to do in this moment? Let's invite him to do that right now.
friend of mine says this, the God who is everywhere loves to turn up somewhere. <laughs> it's quite quaint. The God who is everywhere loves to turn up somewhere. And I believe in these moments, friends, that the Lord wants to come and to, and to do some heart surgery on us. Amen? So let's just, let's, let's quiet our hearts. Let's look to him to invite the Lord to come and speak to us. Yeah, Father, we choose this morning to put our trust afresh in you, knowing that we can trust you to work upon our hearts, to work upon our lives. And Lord, this morning we say, for all of us really, to one degree or another, we do believe, but help us with our unbelief. And Lord, I want to pray right now in this moment, firstly, Lord, for any who have found themselves slipping into cynicism. Lord, I pray right now that you would break that in Jesus' name. I want to pray for freedom from cynicism in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you would set people free from that right now. Mm. Lord, for any who would say, yeah, I, you know what, I struggle with that in my heart. I just want to encourage you in these moments. Bring that to the Lord. I believe he wants to break that this morning. Bring freedom from that. Do it, Lord. And Father, I want to pray right now that Holy Spirit, you would be at work and you would be smashing up these rocks of unbelief. Lord, wherever they might be in our lives, wherever they might um, be attributed to, or, or to do with, Lord, I pray right now in this moment, Lord, come and smash unbelief. And Lord, let fresh faith arise. Lord, I pray this morning you would bring fresh revelation of who we are in you. Lord, a fresh revelation of who you are and who we are as sons and daughters of the living God. Lord, right in this moment, I pray, Come, Holy Spirit. Let's just lift our hands to and hearts to the Lord to invite him to come and just give him our hearts. Just give him your heart now and say, Lord, come and work on my heart. <coughs> Lord Jesus, come and work on our hearts now. Come and do some heart surgery upon us. Thank you that we can trust you, the great physician. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.